back to another episode of independent thought my name is desmond price for today's episode i am joined by amani wells on yoha the partner and operations director of soul strategies amani thanks for coming on the show today how are you doing i'm doing well thank you for having me yeah absolutely i appreciate you being here you know first and foremost you know i, I kind of just want to introduce a little bit about you and, and what you do with soul strategies before i got to get into a couple other subjects about what's going on in washington right now why our why our country seems to always be on the the train going off the tracks trajectory here in America. But before we get into all of that, what exactly is Soul Strategies and what do you do there? Yeah, so we are the hands-on campaign laborers is the best way that I like to describe it. So in the industry, you'll have your consultants, you'll have your campaign managers, and we are essentially a surrogate staff that can come aboard a campaign any size and offer those different type of staffer roles on like a month-to-month capacity, essentially. Um, so we have a fundraising team that has call time managers. We have a press team. Um, we have a digital marketing, social media email team, website design, branding. Um, and then we have our field organizing team, which is our huge, biggest team that we have at Soul. So yeah, we probably pretty much do everything that you could need done on the campaign. We can do it in-house. And how many different kinds of like candidates are we talking about? Are we talking about just like congressional level? Are we talking about the local level? Like, like what kind of candidates are we talking about? We really do all up and down the ballot. So we'll do city council. Um, I think the smallest race we've done is like an education board race on the county level. Um, and we'll do all the way up to federal um, races. So we've done like U.S. Senate races. We've done um, congressional races for the U.S. House of Representatives. We've done secretary of state, attorney general, governor. So there's really no race uh, too big or too small. Okay. Maybe so you know I'm, I'm always curious about people who run for office because i feel like there's you know there's a whole different like gambit of people who are running off for off people who actually want to make change people who are just yeah. looking to advance their their brand their name so on so forth mm -hmm. what is the most important quality wow. that you think a candidate needs to be successful because i'm just going to go out and you know and assume that not every candidate that you've helped mm -hmm. has won so you've seen the difference between successful candidates and unsuccessful ones Absolutely. What makes the successful candidate? Um, having the grit to get through the race. I think the biggest conversation that we had upon meeting candidates, because we we're we're an honest group of people, and so we like to keep it a book with everybody we interact <laughs> with. It is not easy to run for office, nor is it fun, uh, nor is it it's exciting, but it's exciting in a million different type of ways. Those can be fun ways. Those can be stressful ways. So we like to keep that really clear um, from the beginning so that they know what you're getting yourself into. And you have to be the type of person naturally who is a hustler, who is going to grind, who is going to put in that work and who's going to stay determined. Um, you have to be somebody who is very goal oriented, who um, in some ways is a little type A and likes to execute and get things done because ultimately 
that's going to be your whole responsibility. And that goes beyond election day, which is another thing we have to communicate to our candidates. Like you think at the on election day, you can like relax and like have a beer. Sure. For that night. Now you have to become a legislator and you have the whole job to do, um, you know, so it's not just like you say, it's not a branding thing. You know, people may run for those reasons. And that's how you end up with a government that don't work. Uh, because a lot of people run for stuff just for funsies and then don't realize, oh, crap, when I get here, you mean I got to work? I got stuff to do? Um, so, yeah, the people who get things done and stick to things are ultimately the best candidates and legislators. Now, when it comes to sole strategy, I guess, like as a as a company. Do you mm-hmm. work with candidates that are in, in, I guess, in both major parties? I guess there's more than two parties. So do you work with just one side of the aisle or do you work with anyone who shows up? Um, so we only work with Democratic candidates. Um, but as we know, there's a wide spectrum of Democrats. You know, you got your conservative Democrats in states like Alabama, which we've worked in. You have your uh, moderate, basic, you know, we call them our blue dog Dems. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have some of your left-wing progressive candidates. So it's it's an interesting rainbow spectrum of Democratic candidates and people that we get to interact with each day. So why did you make the decision to only work with Democrats? Because obviously that was you know a choice that you have to come to if you're saying, okay, we're only doing Democrats here. So yeah. so what preceded that decision and why did you decide to stick with it? Uh, morally, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a Democrat. And yeah. um, as hard as it is sometimes where I just be wanting to be like, you know, knock my desk over. Uh, I can't sell my soul. You know, I can't take that Republican money because they just they just do too much. Quite frankly, like it's not like the 1990s where it's like we're tough on crime and we're not. It's not like that anymore. It is a whole new range of people on the right that I just we just can't get jiggy with those folks. So that's why. So. What is the number? This because this is this is the question I, I really I really want to know here. I, mm-hmm. I asked you about like what helps you know a candidate succeed, but kind of the inverse here. What what's the number one reason that candidates fail? Because obviously, you know, you said that people need the grit in order to be mm-hmm. successful, but mm-hmm. I, I got to imagine that you know there might be more to it than just that. Yeah. So if you can look through a bunch of different candidates and mm-hmm. say, okay, like I, these people failed for what, what is the number one common thread there? Um, who that's a really good question. I think um lacking some humility is one way that a lot of candidates fail. Ooh, um, do tell more. So we work primarily with a lot of first-time candidates. And when you're a first-time candidate, you don't know what it takes to really run a campaign. You may have an idea, you may know like you want to do certain things, but we always tell our candidates, like, y'all, this is not a video game. This is not Call of Duty. There are certain things that you you quite literally have to do. And we can get into the systemic issues about campaigning and campaign finance laws, and we can really dig into that. Um, but unfortunately, there's nothing that we can do about that. So there is uh, ultimately an infrastructure that you have to work within in order to have a successful campaign. So I would say the people who are unsuccessful, one, you're just in a district where you didn't do your research. Um Meaning, you know, you want to go into this R plus 26 district. You setting yourself up for failure because it would just take so much to even do that. So there's situations like that. Um, there's other situations where there are sometimes, you know, you just hit the short end of the stick. Um, you didn't invest in your field strategy. That's probably one of the biggest things we see people um, really kind of X themselves out of victory. Is Could you go into that a little bit? What do you mean by field strategy? 
Yes. So ultimately, there's going to be a lot of stuff that people tell you in this industry. They're going to be like, oh, you should spend a million dollars on TV ads or you should get these mailers and send them to every person in your district. They're going in the trash. I hate to be the one to tell you the mailers. They're in the garbage. No one. I read throw them. mine in the trash. And me too. Let's yeah. be real. So, yeah, no. but I never the, read them. Literally, I've never read them. Except for when I'm in line at the poll and then like, the poll watchers are handing me stuff. And then I'm like, okay, I'm here now. So I was here to make a decision. Let me skim through and see real quick. That's ultimately the only time that I read them. Um, but anywho, so the thing that gets direct voter uh, contact and the thing that is more likely to get you to actually have somebody go to the poll is to have a face-to-face -face conversation with that person. Um, and that's an expensive thing to do in your campaign, but it's less expensive than TV ads a lot of the time. Sometimes it's on par with the cost of mailers. So it's just about investing in um, going into the community and having those conversations and persuading your community, spending time there, having your volunteers and your paid staff going door-to-door, -door, knocking every door in your district and building those relationships that is what flips districts straight up in the, one of them situations where you do have an r plus 26 there's no way possible to win unless you yourself or somebody from your team goes and speaks to these people sits down have some conversations really get into the minds of these voters um, so that's a missed opportunity that we see people do a lot you know just quick question here and this is just you know i i, I hear a lot of these conversations i was talking about you know, where candidates decide to run, where they don't decide to run. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously not being involved in this industry, I'm just basically assuming things from the outside perspective. But I've always wondered why Republicans for a certain, you know, like for whatever reason, don't try to go into like the cities, for instance, and at least try to run campaigns there. Why mm -hmm. Democrats don't try to go into rural America and try to run campaigns there? Because as you said, our plus 26 district, you're not going to win there. But yeah. do you see value in going into a place like that and maybe trying to chip away at it? So maybe you don't win, but you may turn R26 into R14 and yes. then try again a second time. Do you think that's worth it? Or Absolutely. would you not want to even work with somebody who's not trying to like just flat out win? Absolutely. That is a really thing. That's a good thing that we come up on often is people have to understand um, and just be realistic about politics in general. I think that's something that candidates, a lot of candidate candidates are very idealistic and yeah. they have a lot of reasons why they're running that. I mean, I go, they're great reasons. I understand why you're passionate about those things, but you have to learn how to separate your passion from um, just tangible winning uh, measures like there's certain ways you have to do things so I understand you know this district is underrepresented it's impoverished the, it's underfunded and all of these things are going wrong in your district and I agree with you and I want to see a way for you to have victory but you have to know going into this this is a three-time thing you're gonna probably have to run a couple times before yeah. you can win and we just try to have those conversations with candidates straight up in the beginning just so they know like we're not here to sell you no dream i'm letting you know in this r plus 26 district you are going to have to run at least two or three times before you win that's just yeah. what it is but if you again have that grit if you're really passionate about this if you really want to be the one that represents this community um it's just going to take you a lot of time to do it and some people are down for that and then there's some people who are like you got it <laughs> so okay so one of the last questions i want to ask you uh, just in this block right here about candidates it feels like Donald Trump kind of changed everything. I might be wrong here, but it feels as though since he's come on the scene, or maybe I'm just noticing it now more, 
it feels as though there's a lot of candidates out there who have no idea how government works. And yet that's not stopping them from trying to get elected. And some of them have. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I, I think of people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, for instance. But um, w- what are your thoughts on this? Do you actually have to know how government works to run for for office? This is going to be an unpopular opinion. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you need to know. That's like, and I want, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I got so excited when we pre-had this conversation because this yeah. is a I'm willing to die on, okay? You would not want to go to a surgeon for open heart surgery that's never done that stuff before. Can we curse on here? I don't know. No, you can curse Who's on here. Who's that shit before, okay? You're not going to want somebody who, a psychiatrist medicating you, diagnosing you, who doesn't know what the fuck they are talking about, right? No, you still yeah. don't want that from your legislators. And that's the thing. This is all real life, y'all. And I know yeah. we turn politics into something that is so idealized and it lies in passion and belief and all of that. And that is very important. But at the end of the day, this is a job. It is an active job for some of these seats that last six years, four years, two years, whatever your term is. This is an active duty job where you will have responsibilities. You will have people that are relying on you to represent them and represent them well. And you have to know how to do that. This isn't something you can do just because you believe something. I believe in a lot of things, okay? (laughs) I believe that healthcare (laughs) is important. That doesn't make me a doctor. You know, so again, yes, you need to know how this stuff works for nothing else. If you are a first time candidate, because I support first time candidates taking on some of these crazy long term incumbents who ain't got no business being there no more. Okay, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, do your research, know your district, know the issues that your district is passionate about, know what solutions the seat that you are running for can offer your specific constituents. Because that's another thing that comes up when you are running for city council, you cannot legislate on Medicare for all. You you can't. You have nothing to do with that. Yeah. What do you do on a county level, on a district level that affects healthcare in your area? If anything, you have to be mindful of these things throughout your race. Um, so yeah, I went on a little tangent there. But no, no, tangents are welcome. And I and I do appreciate it because I think, you know, the, the reason why I asked this question is because, you know, the next question I want to ask you is basically why Washington is broken. But before we get into that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have more with our guests. Please stay tuned. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula, Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at BathingBeautiesBeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. 
We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. Before we went on the break, I had mentioned that I wanted to talk about why Washington is broken. So th- this question here is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. You know, as for someone like me being in the news all the time, constantly trying to talk about the issues, you can't help but notice that nothing really gets done. You know, the, the things seem to be happening in Washington, but nothing that's really kind of, how's the best phrase to put it? Nothing that tangibly improves the lives of people, right? Yes. You know, so I mean, occasionally some biz, like some large corporation might get, you know, a patent that they need or, you know, the money seems to be constantly going to Ukraine all the time whenever they need money. But the rest of us are kind of just sitting here wondering what's going on. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much insight you might have into that. Somebody who's working with candidates is able to yeah. see exactly what's going on. Why is it that Washington always seems to be in such a gridlock where nothing is ever really happening for anyone? Yes, this is such a good question. And it's because of what we were talking about before. It's honestly candidate quality. The people that end up getting elected sometimes are people who straight up have no business being there. You know, just it's just the truth of the matter. Yeah. There's people who are in Congress who are there to do a good job, but they are the minority. And there's a lot of people who are there to put on a show and beat their face and put on their good suit and go before a CNN, a C-SPAN and just have a camera pan on them and give these little dissertations and these speeches. And that's all they're there for. It's become very theatrical. And It's important for us as American citizens and voters, okay, the electorate, to have something called discernment, okay? Do your research. You can tell when some stuff smells funny with a lot of these people. Some, a little digging, you can find out the truth of these people. You can find out their background. Um, I'll give y'all some advice. There's a website, it's called Follow the Money. You can literally see who these people are bought by. (laughs) It is free public information, y'all. So we have to do a better job just investigating. But at the same time, we need better people to be inspired to run for office because it's a lot of people who just get involved in this process for the wrong reasons from the beginning. And if they end up winning with those poor intentions, then we end up with a government that does not work because they were never there to govern in the first place. They were there for whatever personal reason, uh, passion, belief, whatever got them there. That was their whole goal. And them being elected, they feel like they achieved that when the job does not end there. You know, the job does seem like it does get done sometimes. It kind of just depends on what exactly the outcome, you know, that we're talking about is. It seems as though, maybe I'm being a little biased here, but it seems like corporations are constantly getting bills passed that favor them. Mm. 
a lot of people seem to liken that to the correlation between money being in politics and the fact that we have a system that is essentially lined up where you can legally bribe people through campaign contributions. Do you, you know, I, I've heard some people argue against this though, saying that it's not that big of a deal and that, you know, it's not actually having as much influence on politics as you think it would. But what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that money in, do you think corporations and billionaires and lobbyists being able to roam the halls of Congress is an overall negative on, on our country? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's sad how cheaply some of these people can be bought off. And it's not, I'm telling you, like you can go into somebody's follow the money and see like CVS, the CVS just gave them $4,000. That was all it took. $4,000 from CVS. And now all of a sudden, you don't know what to do about the pharmaceuticals. Ah, it's like, so it's hard. For $4,000, that's it? Yeah. So, Yes, it, it's a huge issue. And there should be regulations on this thing. I understand people love that capitalism, um, but when you don't have any restraints on it, it's not capitalism anymore, okay? We are living in the mm -hmm. oligarchy. We're living in a, uh, in, a, in a monarch, okay? Where you have these very, very, very rich and powerful people just basically picking and selecting who they want to control. And that's just how it ends up happening. And again, people, y'all have some um, some integrity, okay? Candidates have a little integrity. Your campaign will be fine without that $4,000. I promise you, y'all need to, at bare minimum, have a high price tag if you're going to be paid off. It needs to be at least $100,000. You're going to sell your soul, honey. Y'all souls cheap nowadays. Cheap souls. <laughs> you know, it, I, I feel like, a lot of times I'm having this conversation, there is like a level of um, a level of sadness that comes with it, right? It because, you know, you, you sit here and you think to yourself, you know, what can we do about it? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it seems as though that it's kind of infiltrated both sides of the aisle. Yeah, you see yeah. people in the both Democratic and the Republican Party being bought off by in certain cases. I remember following, you know, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and the money that they were taking in around the time that Build Back Better was being, you know, just somehow mm -hmm. being destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think the, the question that I want to pose to you is like, wh what, what do we do about it? What, what can we do? <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I can say. Um, I won't say that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> usually, usually the first answer is the best one. <laughs> the French. I don't know. The first answer is the best. Oh, oh. The French. That's all I'm going to say. I'm kidding. The revolution. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, This is going to be something that's going to take decades to undo, realistically. Yeah. Um, But I think on a community level, on a small level, we can just start by finding people in your community that you would like to see represent you. Find that person who's at the soup kitchens every week, the one that's really doing the community work. Like find yeah. those teachers who have really changed people's lives and start looking at your life and tapping those people who really have good hearts, who are doing the Lord's work anyway. Inspire those type of people to run for office. Invest in them. Give them the support to attain some of these seats because ultimately, that's what it depends on. And making sure people have a stronger mind once they get there, because there's so many people who get elected and then they get to Washington and then they go into the Washington washing machine and all of a sudden they don't know how nothing works anymore. And all of those ideas that got them elected and all those yeah. values and this and that and that and this, 
is no longer a thing anymore. So people just have to learn to just turn the money down or, you know, stand up for everybody because the country is going down the pooper. It's not going to be much of one left. And even just myself looking back on these past, what, seven, eight years since Trump um, came into the picture, this political landscape looks insane. If we look, think back on yourself 10 years ago, if you were to see the stuff that happens today, you wouldn't even believe it. No, I don't believe <laughs> so it. Oh, out of whack. I, like, I, there was a time where we were a little bit more normal than this. Now, honestly, this year I think has broken me even more than the in the previous years. Like I, I thought, I thought twenty twenty might have been like the peak, mm-hmm. you know, for me. And and then going into obviously into January sixth in twenty twenty one, but this year has absolutely just like I, I feel like it's like a every single week thing. There's like five, six, seven stories where you just have whiplash trying to fit, like trying to keep up with all of it. And yeah. now we are being, I guess graced by the sequel that no one really asked for but yet here it is anyway um biden versus trump again and Mm. i i have been ranting about this online uh, about this about the situation that we find ourselves in and and so my audience has heard my thoughts on on biden on trump i i want to hear your thoughts on this what do you think about the upcoming sequel to the last election again here in 2024. I just feel like you're making us choose between shit and shittier. And that's just not fair to <laughs> us. Like nobody, when I say nobody wants this, I was looking at the statistics this morning, um, prep, prepping for these conversations today. I was blown away that 33% of Democrats are the only ones that support Biden. 33% of your own base. in the ABC uh, Washington Post poll, 58%, there were three options. There was Biden, quote, someone else, literally just (laughs) someone else, and then uh, undecided. Someone else, in parentheses, this nameless, faceless nothing has 58% of the Democratic support in the United States. Faceless, non-existent, somebody else. Why would you do that to us? (laughs) because <laughs> deal with that nobody wants you here and then for Trump yeah. he just got what he just got found out today that he sexually assaulted that woman and got to pay five million dollars look yeah. what we're de- nobody wants these choices yeah nobody wants these choices so you're making us choose Biden I get and I'm this is a whole nother tangent I can go on but I'm so frustrated with oh it's okay it's okay. Biden right now in general because when I was looking back I had somebody asked me do you want to comment on Biden um announcing that he's running in 2024 I was like no because I don't have anything positive to say <laughs> in 20 since Biden has been president Roe v. Wade is overturned yeah um the LGBTQ plus community has been attacked from every which way Okay, we losing rights left and right. All the stuff going on in Florida, all of the the CRT, all of this crazy racism, homophobia, attacks on on women's rights. This is happening under Democratic presidential leadership. You weren't supposed to be shielding us and protecting us from all of that. If I wanted to go through all of this, I would have just voted for a Republican. I did not. So you saying, I'm just not a Republican. Are you sure, babe? Are you sure? Because you have done nothing to stop any of this insane stuff. They're down in Florida saying they're going to remove the divine nine, the black 
um, fraternities and sororities from all the campus, campuses in Florida. Your VP is an AKA and part of the divine line. And we're just, it's just all happening. So that's how I feel about it. Bless him. I'm going to vote for him anyways, but I'm not going to be happy about it. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> See that that you know, like that's the conversation that that people get. I think really get stuck on, right? Is that mm-hmm. I, I've had people criticize me for criticizing Biden because yeah. because like, oh well, are are you enabling fascism? Are you enabling the Republicans? Or like, like Biden hasn't done that bad of a job. This is like it, it's almost there are some people who have this belief that if you attack Biden, that you must be a Republican yourself. And and that is what I'm trying to take out of the conversation because it does not make any logical sense. And I think it comes from a place of fear. It does. You know, and I'm just so tired of that fear. Like we elected him to do a job and he's not doing the job. And since we voted for him, we should be the first people criticizing him. That's how I feel about the situation. You know, he went on and said, that he was going to institute a public option. He has not even brought forth that legislation. He has not even mentioned the words public options since he, he took office. Said, no, you're correct. And yeah. that's the thing. All of these promises, at bare minimum, you were supposed to make sure stuff didn't get worse. Okay? At yeah. minimum, you were supposed to keep the status quo, right? You ain't even keeping the status quo. We are in a vacuum to no. hell to literal hell and we're just we we're just all blown around it's dust particles everywhere it's cat litter and we're just all in a vacuum pack <laughs> that, that's an image i wasn't ready for but <laughs> <laughs> and it's like who's going to step in and stop any of this from happening and yes i am i would call myself a progressive okay i voted for buddy yeah every chance i got okay i'm a democrat i'm a progressive i want to see this country do better but y'all are leaving us no choice. And it makes me have to start thinking, do y'all want to see the country do better? Y'all have the DNC. I'm talking to the DNC. They need to invest their resources into finding some new people. Your party isn't happy. No. That's not an us problem. That is a you problem. You can't keep riding this 2008 Obama coattails by clinging to Joe Biden's tennis shoe laces for dear life trying to hold on to the glory days. You're going to need to create some new glory days. We're not feeling it. No, absolutely not. And this kind of like comes on to the last question that I have for you. Mm -hmm. When it comes to this work, trying to be involved in Washington, obviously we're talking about a very stressful thing, talking about politics, being involved in this every single day, being in the news cycle every single day, having to constantly, you know, basically keep up with all the crazy things that we're seeing right now. For you personally, why do you do this work? Why is it important to you individually? It's a good question. A piece of my soul dies every day. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's good because when we do find those candidates, like those diamond in the rough candidates who are really like good people who are doing this work for the right reasons. Yeah is what keeps me going because those are the people who will ultimately be the ones that save us at some point or another so it's not every day some days I'm like who are these people what is going on what's up with y'all but then there's days where we'll meet somebody we'll have a really good conversation and they're just a great person and I'm like you know what I want to see you win so I'm going to stay in this because those people are what is ultimately going to be 
what makes continues to make this all worth it for us to even care about politics anymore. So I won't say that there aren't any good candidates. We've met some really great people and I'm happy that those people exist because eventually we're going to hope to tip the scales to where it's more of them than it is of these other people. Monty, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. Where can people find out more about you and keep up with you online? Yes, you can find us at soulstrategies.com, um, Soul Strategies on Instagram. And then my handle is that's Amani Wells on Instagram and Twitter. All right. For those who are interested, those links will be in the episode description. So thank you so much to all the people out there for listening to this episode. If you liked this episode, please go ahead and share it on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook for those who are still on Facebook, you know, I, I, yeah, some people are still there. So thank you so much for checking out this episode. We will see you in the next one. Mm -hmm.